Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. At no other time has the nicotine vaping industry faced such intense controversy. Under fire for the so-called youth vaping epidemic and besieged from all sides over the gross allegation that it's responsible for the so-called vaping-related lung illness. The industry, quite frankly, is in a fight for its very survival. While faced with these challenges, the industry has fractured into essentially two camps, the open, open system segment that spawned and nurtured the industry and the closed pod system segment or big vape, such as Juul, that have exploded in popularity and which some say are responsible for the rise in youth use. Tonight in this special edition of RegWatch, we are joined by Daniel David, the president and CEO of Vita, the Vaping Industry Trade Association of Canada. In September, several vaping companies, including Juul and Imperial Tobacco Canada, which sells Vipe, and JTI Canada, joined forces to launch the new trade association. Daniel, thanks for joining us today on RegWatch. Thanks for having me, Brent. So first off, what is Vita and who are your members? Yeah, so uh, Vita, Vaping Industry Trade Association. So we are a uh, leading voice for the um, vaping industry. Um, all uh, sides of the, or uh, uh, all categories of the uh, stakeholders. Um, our mission is really to represent and support the Canadian vaping industry in advocating for harm reduction, uh, youth prevention, evidence-based regulations, and uh, best-in-class quality and safety standards. Uh, our members do include uh, tobacco affiliated companies like uh, Juul, uh, Vipe, and uh, Logic. Uh, however, we do also, um, our board does also contain um, other uh, sides of the vaping industry, so manufacturing, uh, distribution, um, and even uh, from the to the very small where, where we have um, a director with a, a couple of vape shops. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's all sides of the, uh, the vape category. So is it fair to uh, call the segment Big Vape then? Well, I, I, maybe not really. I mean, it's it's the entire category, right? So it's it's uh, everything from the small vape shop to the uh, distributor, to the manufacturer, and to the, the big vape side. So. Well, there you go. All right. Well, look, before we get into a full deep dive into Vita, we also want to make sure that we spend some time getting your assessment on some of the things that have been going on. So before we do that, let's talk about some of the breaking news today. And first, let's start with the so-called vaping-related lung illnesses that have been covered, you know, we've been covering since August and that have been dogging the industry, causing, you know, wreaking havoc across the vaping world. And the latest numbers that came out today from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control show that the lung illness crisis continues to grow with more than 100 newly reported cases and five more deaths since last week. As of today, health officials at the CDC say 47 people have died and nearly 2,300 have fallen sick. Dan, what's your assessment now on the health officials in the U.S. and in Canada and how they've been handling the scare? So, I mean... It there's, there's been a lot of uh, information, or well, actually quite a, quite a bit of a lack of information uh, during the beginning. Um, it's it, One of the challenges here is that um, vaping as, as a process is kind of being, uh, everything is being thrown into, the, in, into one barrel. Um, what we've seen is, is a lot of reports uh, that um, many of the users that are having these, these types of reactions uh, 
are coming from products from the black market, illicit products, products containing THC. Um, and, you know, by, by reporting just, just that uh, on the process of vaping, um, it, it seems to have, you know, quite a negative effect right across the board um, that just, you know, traditional vaping and as it is here in Canada, that's, that's you know, uh, quite regulated. Um, has a major impact uh, right across the board, um, just you know, right on public perception. Uh, the 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 feeling is is that you know, vaping uh, could potentially be you know some of what the media headlines are saying, and uh, in all reality, what it what it it looks like here is is the, you know products from the black market, uh, illicit products, products containing THC, um, and uh, there's a lot of media kind of misreporting around that. That scares well, me. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, and then today, uh, the big news in Canada is doctors believe that they may have discovered a new type of lung injury tied to vaping e-cigarettes. And it's uh, tied to, it's a significant finding, they say, tied to a 17-year-old in Canada. And we have a piece now, CBS News this morning, which I don't know how they're doing it. Well, of course I know how they're doing it. They're wired directly in with CDC. They're the ones that broke the original story nationally on the lung scare back on August uh, 22nd or 21st, or might've been the 23rd. It was one of those three days. That was just such a blur. And they came out, and this is CBS News this morning. So this is their morning show. So today they had a four minute piece um, highlighting uh, the case in Canada, and they use that, of course, as basically, you know, nail in the coffin on vaping. I mean, case is closed, you know. This, there's so many different aspects now to this vaping-related lung illness. There's just no way that any sane person could doubt the fact that vaping kills. That's 100% uh, what is uh, in line here, and they got it from Canada. So I've got a piece for us. I've got the story. It's four minutes. It's definitely worth us watching the entire thing. Um, our mics are gonna stay on most, most likely for this as we always have fun with this. So let's just, uh, I think we're good. Doctors believe they may have discovered a new type of lung injury tied to vaping e-cigarettes. This finding is linked to a 17 year old in Canada who nearly died after he vaped THC and also flavored e-cigarettes for about five months. His case does not follow the same pattern of lung injury seen in more than 2,000 cases in the U.S. Our Dr. Tara Narula is here with more. So, doctor, why is this case different? Good morning, Tony. Well, for many years, doctors have known about a type of injury known as popcorn worker's lung, named for factory workers who inhale a chemical flavoring known as diacetyl. That ingredient is used to make buttery microwave popcorn. Now there's evidence it might be responsible for certain lung injuries from vaping flavored e-cigarette products. It's another sign of the types of injury that can occur from vaping. By the time the 17-year-old boy was admitted to an ICU in Ontario, Canada this past spring, what had started as a bad cough had developed into a life-threatening illness. How critical did his condition get? Extremely critical. He was on life support and uh, we were concerned that he might not survive. Dr. Karen Bosma treated the patient, whose family doesn't want him identified. She says what she saw in his imaging didn't follow the usual pattern of vaping-related lung injury that has emerged in recent months, particularly in the United States. 
We also did CT scans, and that gives us a deeper look at the lungs. That showed that he had a diffuse pattern. So if you picture the branches of a tree when it, in the springtime when a tree is budding, that's what we were seeing on these images of the CT scan. And that's a pattern that is in keeping with damage. Doctors diagnosed a form of bronchiolitis, also known as popcorn worker's lung. Small airways in the lungs become so inflamed and obstructed that they cannot expel carbon dioxide, which can then build up in the body to toxic levels. According to the study's authors, popcorn lung is different from the type of injury typically seen in vaping-related illness, where the damage occurs in the tiny air sacs or alveoli at the end of the airway. Both injuries leave patients gasping for air and could cause lifelong lung damage. Just last week, doctors in Michigan revealed one teenage patient required a double lung transplant to survive. And on Wednesday, New York State announced a second death due to vaping, bringing the nationwide total to at least 43. New York State investigators are testing vaping devices to see which compounds may be causing the lung illness. The Centers for Disease Control has identified vitamin E acetate as a common thread, but experts doubt that's the only culprit. We absolutely continue to look for everything. We have not just sort of say, okay, we have found vitamin E acetate. We will continue to analyze and tease apart whatever chemicals are in the samples. Both doctors Zucker and Bosma say regardless of the answer to these questions, the message to teens is clear. No device is safe for them to vape. Dr. Bosma told me she's surprised we haven't seen even more vaping-related lung injuries. Definitely. There's no teenager in America or anywhere else who should be doing any of this. But so, yeah. Hold on one second. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Yeah, so uh, it just took my system a, a little bit of a hiccup there to get us back. So what did you think about that? That it was extraordinary, but I'm going to save reaction for you. Yeah. So, well, first off, I mean, I mean, the very last comment there, I mean, uh, we can we can definitely agree. I mean, we, we don't want any uh, youth non-smokers, any anybody underage to be to be vaping. Um, you know, when they're talking about some of these other issues, uh, you know, as it relates to uh, popcorn lung, um, you know, the, the Canadian vaping industry, certainly from a very early stage, um, we we actually um, self-regulated uh, in some of the absence of, of federal legislation on this. Um, we had set some standards, um, uh, testing standards, that just to, just to detect um, some of those compounds, um, try to get them out of uh, any of the products that were in uh, Canada. Um, that actually started a, a number of years ago. Uh, it was a industry and industry led. Uh, we just lost Dan. And just one sec. While we're dialing him in, that is uh, strange. Dan, is that you? Wow, everything is ringing. Yeah. Clearly, tobacco control is uh, monitoring our <laughs> signal. 
as I wear my tinfoil hat. But that yeah. was quite strange, considering that we went to a great deal of effort to make sure that you had wired internet and yeah, everything I'm, else. I'm, yeah, I'm plugged in, yeah. Yeah, okay, so... Okay, so let's just let I, I got it. Let you know. Okay. So let me let me frame this a little bit for our viewers here. So uh, the key thing is is that Daniel, you are one of the most respected vaping advocates in Canada. There's no doubt. You've appeared in front of the Senate, you parliamentary committees in HESA. You were the executive director of ECTA, uh, which was you know one of the leading you know groundbreaking. Uh, organizations in Canada that was working on behalf of vaping as a tool for harm reduction, setting standards for e-juice and working with vape shops. I mean, you, Char, John, you know, John Marshall, all of the people working with ECTA, you guys, you know, did great work. And um, so you've got this experience with what, you know, with fighting these battles. And we'll deal with some popcorn lung stuff in a, in a, in a bit. This is a disaster. I mean, the, the article on, on CBS, it actually says that this is the first case of popcorn lung in a vapor ever. And I'm like, yes. So five years we've been hearing about popcorn. You know, it's just, it just speaks to the level of propaganda that's out there that for five years they've been screaming popcorn lung and there's never been a case of it. And then now, so talk about searching for a pretext. And, and that's definitely what's you know, happened here. Dan? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, I, yeah. So I, I mean, just just yeah, on that point, I mean, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of fear around this the, this stuff, and um, it, it seems like there are a lot of kind of jumping to to conclusions. Um, you know, it could be this or it could be that. You know, one of the things that that Vita is uh, really pushing here is is you know evidence based regulations and decision making. Um, and it really is a crucial part of what we're trying to what we're trying to, to push and, and to do here. Um, you know, vaping really represents a, a huge harm reduction opportunity to, to smokers across Canada, and it really deserves that evidence-based review, um, where we're, we're not you know just panicking over the the very the, you know this thing or, or, or that thing. We're we're you know waiting for all of the evidence to to, to come out. Um, or the, I mean, for the, the studies to be finished, for the investigations to be completed, um, it's it's really quite important. Um, and, you know, if there is a problem, you know, we need to be able to know what it is and, and, and where it's coming from. Uh, because, you know, the vaping, is, it, again, it, it's such a, it represents such a huge opportunity, um, you know, for harm reduction in public health, uh, that we have to take that approach. And I completely agree. You know, Dan, a lot of our viewers uh, would be fuming a little bit right now because they do see that, you know, the primary members that you have in your organization, Jewel and Vipe, you know, coming from big tobacco brands um, or Jewel, which a lot of people just consider as big tobacco. So they really do feel that Jewel is responsible for a lot of this mess. And so it's, it's hard to hear that language coming from Vita when when they really want to know is what are you doing about your own members yeah, so, so first off i mean like this whole situation there is no like one single cause for uh, youth uptake uh, uh, there's no single cause for the the situation that we're seeing um it, when it comes down to the the health side of things uh you know we could pretty much look at the illicit market i mean it's black market products um 
I mean, at least the majority, and, and you know, there's more investigation that needs to be done. Uh, but, it, you know, a lot of people seem to get um, caught up in uh, pointing pointing a finger, right? I, I mean, it's, it's easy to try and, or, or to say, okay, you know, this one source over here is, is the cause, and if we just get rid of that, uh, problem solved. And, but and let's, to be, let's be clear, yeah. though. Are you saying that, that Juul hasn't had a disproportionate, you know, impact on the marketplace? Well, I, I mean, I mean, Juul does have a, a, a quite a, a market share in the, uh, you know, convenience store type area. Um, but especially as it comes down to you know, health-related issues, I mean, I, I really don't think that's part of the discussion. Um, you know, it's it's. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I agree with you on that. There's no doubt. the The key thing is that they've used the the uh, so-called you know youth vaping epidemic, uh, which which of course they attach to Juul. I mean, this is what they've done in the U.S. How far they've done that up in Canada? I think Health Canada has been way better. Uh, on that, but the media here um, is given no quarter to jewel. They've just and divide truly, right? So from the moment that uh, former uh, Commissioner Scott Gottlieb got up on September 18th, 2018, and said that there was an epidemic of youth vaping, that was about jewel, and that there was a clear and present danger. He was speaking about Juul, and he is now no longer the commissioner of the FDA, and he hasn't shut up about Juul. It's just jewel, 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 jewel. So, yeah, I think they're, 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 they make a convenient kind of scapegoat. Um, but we can't forget here that you know we do have a regulated industry in Canada, right? So I mean, uh, like there are there are rules and regulations. Uh, I mean, especially when it comes down, you know, ingredients, right? I mean, uh, you can't have things like uh, vitamin E acetate in in products made in Canada. Um, I mean, you know, when when we have products that are produced by Juul and Vipe and Logic, and then and then the you know the um, traditional side of the vape industry, we're we all we're all needing to be following the same rules and regulations, uh, you know, and that, that's 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 important. Um, but I, like I said, I mean, it, they they make a convenient scapegoat because of that kind of tobacco connection, uh, and I get it. But you know, like. The, the big picture here is is vaping as a harm reduction product is is really quite proven. I mean, they, they do talk a lot about, you know, maybe not as num uh, enough research has been done. Um, and, and I mean, certainly more does need to be done, but we do have, uh, you know, certainly a decade worth of research. We've got, you know, organizations like the Royal College of Physicians and Public Health England, uh, highly respected organizations that are that are coming out and saying, hey, like this is at least 95% less harmful than, than smoking, which is the cause of, of you know, the, the leading cause of death and disease globally. Uh, I mean, I mean the opportunity that represents it surely demands that we, you know, take an evidence-based approach to anything that we're, we're doing in this category. So how hard, like, how hard has it been um, in your mind to get any kind of airplay on Royal College and, and Public Health England these days, because it seems to me that the vaping-related lung illness, first the epidemic, now the vaping-related lung, lung illness has just sucked all of the oxygen uh, out of the room and left no space for this harm reduction conversation at all. 
Yeah, well, it, and that really is a challenge, right? I, I mean, and if we look at what they're what they do do over in the UK and and some of the measures that they that they take over there, they're quite successful. Um, but you know, when when we do uh, engage with uh, you know some of the the policymakers, one of the things that that we find is that yeah, that they're not aware of a lot of these. Just I mean, for 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 a policymaker who is working on vaping regulation, not to be aware of, you know, landmark uh, research like uh, Royal College of Physicians and Public Health England, things that are updated every year um, uh, by respected institutions. I mean, there's a problem there, right? I, I mean, one of, one of the things that we really, really try to do when we go into these, these meetings and, and is educate. I mean, it's a big part of, of what uh, Vitas was, you know, pushing forward. Um, and, and it's that education piece and, and, you know, really pointing to that. Uh, and so on that side of things, you know, we, we are, um, we will be coming out with a number of uh, kind of tools uh, just to uh, highlight, you know, a lot of the research that's been done. Um, there'll be a, a system that will be built into our website. Um, at, you know, the website is still fairly new right now. It's a lot, uh, looks pretty a lot good. of development being done. Oh, as you can see, we're on the website right right mm -hmm. now. Looks pretty good. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's you know, I mean, we we've got there's still a lot more um, that's going to go up. Uh, right now, I, I want, we have a resources um, page that's that's in the works. We've got uh, a number of different resources that's located at the bottom of that page. Um, you know, we have a, a programs and, and an initiatives committee that's that's really working extremely hard to build on that. Um, you know, that that knowledge base just to to collect everything, put it together, make it easily accessible uh, information um, uh, that can be referenced to when we when we do meetings. Uh, you know, when policymakers want to find out some information about stuff. But at the same time, we're also going to be doing. You know, we also have things like uh, our our fact sheet. Uh, you know, easily easy to understand information for consumers. Um, yeah, there, that's it there exactly. So, um, and you know, we'll, we're going to continue to expand on on a lot of these uh, resources as as time goes on. Uh, but you know, education is a really key aspect of this, and and it's one of the reasons why uh, you know we we see this this fear kind of spread so rapidly is that. People don't know that, that this such a large body of research does exist, that it is out there, that, I mean, it's not really a question of it may be less harmful. I mean, it, it, it is. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, the, 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 the best thing that we could do um, is, is have appropriate regulations to keep it that way, right? I mean, uh, if we have appropriate regulations, we can continue, you know, innovation can continue to make the product even safer. Um, and, and, you know, we can, we can educate on it and, and prevent some of the stuff that's, that's going on. Now. Sure. And, and the education part is critical. I don't think there's a single person out there that, that uses these products or friends and family of people who use these products that, you know, wouldn't want more education to happen. And I think that's the real big issue. So the U S has its problems. So, you know, can maybe talk about that in a second, but this in Canada, right, right in there in the TVPA is the no comparisons clause. You've got all these clauses and clampdowns on our on the ability to actually get that message out there, and those abilities are going away 
you know, with each and every single bill that's coming out in each of the provinces and stuff. So let me, because you and I, are, I'm going to get us into the advertising and marketing section here in a minute. So let's just set that aside for a second, because I've got to, there's some common ground between, um, you know, our position from an editorial position on that, that's different than some in the open system segment. And I take a lot of heat for it. And we'll talk about that in a sec. Before we do that, let me ask you the tough question. And that's many of our viewers want to know why millions and millions of dollars have not been spent in the last 18 months to two years in Canada by the big players who have the money. And I understand that there was some waiting around for things to get legal, but let's say as of September 2018, how come there hasn't been a flood of money being spent on educational materials on television, in radio, in newspaper by Jewel, Vipe? How come Big Tobacco hasn't spent their money to defend this industry? Because what's happened is that their entry into the market has put the market in peril and they haven't done anything to help with that money. Well, you know, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I certainly I don't work for those those organizations. I can't really speak to, uh, you know, the motivation of doing one thing over another. Uh, we do have to remember, I mean, you know, Health Canada um, and the federal government sets regulations, advertising regulations, um, you know, when the TVPA, TVPA came out. Um, you know, I, I mean, there is an expectation that when you when you legalize an industry like the vaping industry, um, you know, getting into kind of advertising things, uh, you know, companies are going to use those mechanisms. Um, you know, when it comes down to, to education and, and, and uh, you know, putting out resources, you know, I mean, I, I would expect that's one of the main reasons why they've they've been so adamant and so, um, you know, so adamant well really on on joining and being a part of of vita um you know we're creating this stuff now we, we needed to, to to deliver it in the right way um you know putting out information just as you know one company here and one company there it, it can be inconsistent i mean if we can if we can put all of this into kind of one area we can make it consistent we can make the messaging consistent uh, then I think it'd be a lot more effective. And so that's one of the reasons why we have this organization is, is to do that. So we could expect to see some mainstream media public relation campaigns to help lift the brand image of vaping then coming soon? You can expect education. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, I mean, I, I can't speak to, to specifics of, of what it, what will be coming out. Like I said before, I mean, there's going to be um, we're going to continue with these fact sheets. Uh, we're going to continue to to develop programs and initiatives along that line. Um, education is a key. It's it's right on our main page. I mean, it is uh, an important aspect. So yes, you can expect uh, more of of what we've already done. Um, and we are we're relatively new, um, and in that a short period of time, we have developed some pretty excellent material. Uh, you know, we we did announce uh, you know our launch in September nineteenth. Uh, we have a number of committees that were formed, and you can see that we do have a number of resources that have been developed already. And so, in that period of time, I mean, imagine we can expect uh, over you know the next year, couple of years or so. So uh, let's take a look at some of these uh, provinces and some of the things that are going on there. So let's look at uh, BC. So BC, what is Vita's position on the BC proposal? Yeah, so so I mean, BC was was a bit of a 
a bit of a challenge for for everybody. Um, I think you know there were some some aspects of what happened in BC that um, you know we might have seen uh, coming, but but there were others um, that were a bit of a challenge. Um, so really, you know, the the flavor aspect of of what they're trying to do there. Um, you know, our position on that is is really that that flavors should be dealt with at the federal level, and there's a very good reason for that. Um, when you start to develop uh, or try to try to implement any type of regulations around uh, flavors at the provincial level, especially when it when it comes to to vaping products, uh, enforcement gets quite complex. Uh, but if if things aren't consistent across the country. Um, it doesn't make it very effective. There's ways to get around it. Uh, the other major problem is the black market, right? I mean, I mean, flavors are a critical aspect of vaping. I mean, there's no question about it. There's there's research to that fact. Um, trying to restrict them just because there is some youth appeal. Uh, I mean, you're you're also at the same time reducing the appeal for for adults, and so. You know there there are better ways, and you know the federal government, the way that they handled it, was actually quite appropriate um, because it was more along the line of of restricting that advertising and the promotion. So you you you, you don't see uh, products that are, are are called gummy bears or cotton candy or some of these other things uh, because that was implemented with the, when the TVPA came out. Um, right. So, so yeah, on that side, it's, it's, it's a bit concerning and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be doing everything we can to engage with them on that. Um, equally concerning, I mean, there's, there's the, the nicotine, uh, restrictions, um, you know, and, and in that respect, you know, those nicotine levels were actually really designed for, for heavy smokers. Um, and, and I mean, my, my mother is actually one of them. Uh, uh, who who relies on a, a 50 milligram, and uh, you know if she was if if we had lived in BC, um, you know come come uh, middle of next year, not being able to access that, uh, I mean, she, I mean the chances of her going back to smoking would be pretty high, uh, and and really it it doesn't address the 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 youth issue. There's there's so many ways that around that. I mean if somebody wants to abuse a product they're going to find a way to do it uh, reducing the the you know features the key features that make the product effective uh, just because you know they, they might appeal to to, to to youth and on that basis I mean it's it it's not the way to go and that's just that's not uh, what we would like to see um, right. and 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 especially with that kind of patchwork type regulation across the country it, it makes it less effective sure and Dan you mentioned across the country they're really across the country when it comes to the youth vaping epidemic uh, there are three things that are being discussed or implemented across you know everywhere it's, it's real big ones Let's leave flavors aside because I do believe that there's going to be some common sense in Canada on that. And I was happy to see that uh, the health minister in British Columbia, Adrian Dix, uh, I was heartened by his response when it came to flavors. It's like, I mean, how do you ban a flavor really is, is kind of to paraphrase it. And, you know, having that in adult stores seems to be um, a good route. But that brings to number one. Uh, so I'll just rattle the three things off, if I remember that as three. But one is to severely restrict or, if not ban, the sale of vaping devices at convenience stores. 
right? That's the, I mean, that's the, they would, they, the opponents to vaping would, would love nothing better than to see not a single vaping device at a 7-Eleven or any other kind of convenience store. So, so if we could deal with that, yeah, yeah, one sure. at a time there, that would be great. Um, right. So, so with that, that C store uh, portion, so, I mean, there are a lot of important aspects of having C stores carrying uh, vape products. I mean, again, we can't forget that vaping is a harm reduction product. And when you're selling uh, the more harmful version, uh, tobacco, um, at a location, not having vaping products accessible there um, or treating them identically to that tobacco product, um, I mean, it's, first off, not having the access is a really big problem. Um, and, and not, you know, treating them or treating them the exact same way is a, a bit of a perception problem. Uh, but the access problem is, is really important here because um, when we look at the, 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 the spread of vape shops across Canada, uh, one of the things that we can see is that in, in towns and uh, small uh, cities, uh, population density of less than 10,000, 8,000 people doesn't really uh, support a dedicated vape shop. Um, so C stores are actually a really key uh, part to, to have access to retail access to harm reduction products um, all across Canada for adults. Um, they, they do have a pretty good uh, success record for uh, um, age verification uh, as well. But I mean, it's the, it, it really is that kind of access um, uh, point that's, that's very important that we want adult Canadian smokers who are purchasing their tobacco products from those locations to have access to a less harmful product at that same location. And at the same time, I mean, it does uh, support the, the traditional vaping industry because we have situations then when, um, you know, a, a smoker, you know, buys their first jewel or Vipe or whatever it is, um, they, they, they try to, if it works for them, um, you know, the, some of the flavors, the limited selection, they end up uh, migrating over to vape shops. And, and at that point, then the, the vape shops with their additional experience and expertise uh, can help them further. And it, it further supports that kind of cessation uh, concept. And so I agree with you 100 percent. Since the whole dual uh, conversation started, in, including obviously in the U.S., RegWatch has maintained the position that ubiquity of devices is the way that you're gonna get 38 million down there, another 4 million up here converted. So if they aren't right beside where the cigarettes are being sold, you're not going to get uh, you know a full chunk of those people properly converted over. The one thing about smoking uh, that was amazing was that you never ever really ever ran out of smokes unless you're out in the wilderness or something because there's, there are smokes within 10 feet of you everywhere you go in the world. Sorry, Dan. Okay, well, I, yeah, I yeah sorry. Me. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so that that argument resonates with me. We've we've made that argument uh, on RegWatch. We've also made the argument when Open Systems would say, "Well, it's stealing business and uh, and stuff." That wasn't the right way to look at it because the fact of the matter is, is that there's there's a cost in any business of acquiring a customer. But with inside the vaping world, there is an additional cost that is prior to that, and that is the cost of converting. Uh, 
So um, if the if the cost of converting can be shifted over to pod system devices that you know are at C store, that is a cost now not borne by the open system segment of the market. And now your only cost is to market to acquire the customer and to show them the plethora of devices and juices out there that you have. I mean, all of this is a discussion that 12 months ago we were still having, and now people are just recoiled because they're beaten and bruised and they're in a fetal position as states are passing bans and, and people's businesses are closing and they're just saying, just I've had enough already, get them out of C-stores, put them in adult only, please, dear God, do that and save the industry. That's the attitude when it comes to that question. Right. And, and I mean, that's, that's that, like I said before, I mean, there is no one solution and there's no one cause of uh, everything here. I mean, like this, this is this. You know, youth access uh, uptake. I mean, it, it it does require us to, to to look at this from a few different angles and really restricting access to a harm reduction product. I mean, that it, it doesn't really, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, I I've been in this industry for a very long time. Um, you know, I, I opened up the very first vape shop in Canada back in two thousand and ten. Uh, one of the things that we saw kind of early on in this industry was was um, you know before C stores uh, really started carrying products with nicotine, they did carry vaping products without nicotine. And what we found was that that people would go and they would buy them and they'd be very kind of intrigued and okay, you know what? Maybe there is something to this. Um, and and if that product didn't work at that point, it kind of inspired them to to go and visit. Uh, one of the vape shops that was around, and and then they could get some more specialized uh, support and and help, and and really that now that we have a fully regulated and, and legalized industry, um, you know that works even better. I mean, both sides of the industry are are really two sides of the same coin. Uh, we 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 don't want to restrict access to either one. Um, so let's deal with the other the, one of the next big issues, and that is the advertising and marketing. Um, we don't see a, a, that much of that in British Columbia, but in Ontario, boy, you sure do. And so, you know, Vipe and, and so forth, you've got all the point of sale advertising at C-Store, and then you've got, you know, advertising at hockey rinks, and you've got 30-second spots on television. You've got, you know, it, incessantly, which is crazy, last February when we were doing all of our Epidemic Canada coverage right before we went to uh, visit uh, Health Canada for our interview with James Van Loon there. I'm doing all my research on all the Canadian news stories and I just, I'm on global news reading anti-vaping news stories and there's Vite banners up at the top. And I'm like, that's crazy. You know, Global will be happy to take the tobacco, you know, the Vite money uh, at the same time as they're running their anti-vaping stories. But the point being, right, is that, is that the anti-vaping forces have got you know, they've just got, I was going to say a hard on, but I guess this is the internet. I guess I can do that. Uh, you know, after after the advertising and marketing, we've seen now Ontario banning them. We're, we're seeing that for sure, like major efforts to do that. What's the argument about why there should be a, a display on a counter at a C store right beside the chocolate bars? So listen, like at this stage, really, that, that there isn't. Um, I mean, I, I think first off, that well, wait a minute—is it the right beside the chocolate bar thing? Is that just a misnomer to frame it that way? I mean, I was using well, the language of the. Of no, the what, so, you know, our, our, our position, no, it would 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 be that I mean, that there there definitely needs to be some other restrictions there, and and obviously, um, 
you know the the provinces are going for forward with that really what should have happened um you know when the tobacco and vaping products act came out a lot more kind of should have been done in that uh to address some of this kind of stuff um you know really what we saw there was some marketing that uh, you know kind of made it look uh maybe cool um really it should have been more focused kind of like what the uk does where where it's you know this is you know your uh your father or your your grandmother uses the, these products to to quit smoking um as opposed to some of the other stuff that that had gone on and I think we could have done a better job uh, as you know, federal legislation, provincial legislation, when we realized, you know, obviously uh, a year and a half ago when that came out and it legalized this industry, um, and and some of the big players were going to come in and they have that kind of resources. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that if it was legal, it was going to kind of happen. So so some better rules could have been put around that from the beginning. That doesn't mean to say that that there should not, you know, there, there, that there should be absolutely nothing, right? I mean, we need to be able to to express the message of harm reduction, um, and that there that these products are available. I mean, it's not as it's not just like a cigarette where you know it's uh, you know different different types behind a power wall. I mean, uh, you know, you do you do need a bit more information than that. You know, really, our position what on with advertising. Um, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot of restrictions coming through. Uh, there should be a difference, right? It, it should not be identical to tobacco. There should be some more on top of that that allow us to uh, express some of those harm reduction um, uh, messages um, uh, to give a bit more information on the product because they are more complex than just a tobacco cigarette. Um, so we do need a bit more. Consumers do need a bit more information on that. Um, and that's really the position there is it, 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 it's not it's not supposed to be glamorized, uh, uh, you know, made into a kind of a cool thing. But, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, this is this is in the realm of of federal legislation. Right. I mean, that that's uh, they make those those rules, not the not the industry. So we can't really get to. Um, OK, so I'm going to I'm just going to interrupt you there for a second, because I'm just listening to exactly what you said. I'm going to point out that some people are hearing that and they hear corporations saying, well, that was the rules that the, the politicians made. We're just working inside of the rules. I'm not saying that, that, that mistakes weren't made. Um, what 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 the key thing here is, is that, you know, adult consumers do need to understand that, the, you know, that, that the products are available. Um, the, that there is more information required to, to understand them, uh, to know certain flavors, uh, strengths, uh, types of products. Um, it's, it's not as simple of a thing as just jamming it behind a power wall um, and then expecting that it'll, it'll work. Uh, really, it's where we're at you know, with, with the, the, the youth issue. Um, I mean, it, it is a serious issue. It really is. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot more needs to be done. And as an industry, and as an industry association, we're committed to 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 addressing that and and to, to helping and, and working partnering with governments uh, uh, to 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 do more. Um, but again, with with the advertising, I you know I would just say that that 
it should not be identical to uh, the tobacco restrictions. There should be some some leeway on that. Well, and that's a fair point. Um, and uh, I, you know, honestly, the libertarian part of me, and I've made this a lot when it comes to uh, point of sale advertising. Again, it's one of those issues where even I have to step back on a little bit because everyone is just so beaten up, right? But you know, my point of view is that point of sale is such a normal place for brands, regular brands, to have uh, engagement with customers that it's the last place that's left for the normalization of vaping products um, because, you know, when you see the thing on the gas, you know, handle or you see the point of sale display or whatever, um, it seems normal because normal products are marketed that way. And the people that are buying those products are normal people and they're buying something that everybody agrees and society agrees is a good thing for you to buy. We sell so many bad things to people and don't demonize or stigmatize them for those purchases. But yet this particular product, we turn every single person into the devil who wants to use it. And quite frankly, it's disgusting what they're doing with that. And so I believe that the you know point of sale advertising, even the way that it's been executed right now is perfectly fine. And keep in mind, that I spent eight years working with Procter and Gamble in the U.S. and Walmart and uh, in the U.K., Sainsbury and Tesco and ASDA and I mean I've, I know point of sale advertising extremely well, and I didn't see anything uh, in the litany of pictures uh, that I found disturbing. If it's for a normal product for normal consumers, right? And you know we 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 really do need those. Um the authorized kind of harm reduction comparative statements, uh, you know, from Health Canada, we, we did uh, we did work with them uh, together on on some of those statements. They they put out a list of I think it was about ten of them um, that would be able to be used with uh, vape product advertising, but without that authorization, um, I mean. It's kind of hard to, to, to put another message there, right? I mean, if we can't talk about harm reduction, it's just kind of the product uh, makes it difficult. Yeah, and it's and what makes it even more difficult is that the whole lung illness uh, crisis has shifted the risk profile of the product from harm reduction to as deadly or deadlier than yeah. cigarettes. That's the whole thing that's happened here. So a harm reduction argument where there's going to be oxygen for that i don't know but that's exactly why our viewers need to go to support.regulatorwatch.com that's support.regulatorwatch.com and dig into that wallet and find a few dollars and kick them over to regwatch because as you all know we're viewer funded and we're industry funded uh pretty much the same thing for a lot of cases and our anchor supporter um, Flavor Art North America, Sean Casey, fantastic. We wouldn't be on the air without him. Stealth, who's been wicked, Demand Vape and Juno, that's John Glauser out of the US, fantastic. And our monthly rock stars are totally rock stars. We have room to put people right here. I can put a whole other line right there. And then our one-time heroes have been fantastic. And our brand support, Legacy, these are all the fine companies that have worked with RegWatch. Some of them are Vita members, and they're awesome. And uh, we highly encourage uh, you to uh, head over to our site. That is support.regulatorwatch.com. This is our microsite for support only. It's separated from our content site, which is regulatorwatch.com. 
and help join the war, fighting the war on vaping. Sometimes it doesn't, I'm not sure which side we're on because we curate both sides, Daniel, to our website. And you may, it's some people, you've been following us for a long time. You've been on our show before. Um, it wasn't until last February. So it's not even been a year yet since RegWatch has been curating aggressively uh, the anti-vaping articles. We really felt that it was, it was about time that we started making sure our audience and vapors we're seeing in a, in, a, in a complete way as possible all of the garbage out there, all the stories. Let me ask you this. When we first started covering this and we started uh, curating uh, some of the anti-vaping stories, we got slammed by people in the community, our audience, like literally slammed. And we were instructed that the only way that we're allowed to engage with that content was by taking screenshots of it and only sharing screenshots, preferably in private groups. I mean, it was totalitarian, and this is from the vaping community. Every single day, I'm fielding comments from our viewers who are upset that we share anti-vaping stories. I wonder that if, if five years ago, the community was making sure that regular people were seeing stories like, vaping makes your hair fall out, vaping makes your sperm go dead, Vape, you know, all the just crap, right? That maybe they'd be more able to uh, see that all this propaganda that's going on right now is just a part of that same thing. We all know that it is, but they've got no prior experience with any of the bad news stories. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, I think the, va the vaping industry, I mean, as it developed over the years, I mean, it did a pretty good job of, of educating consumers. But again, I mean, uh, a, a lot of that was focused towards our target market, which is adult smokers, and and you know that that target market does not exclusively um, control public perception. Um, you know, probably there could be, could have been a better job of of educating uh, the rest of the you know the public. Uh, but I mean, on, on that other note, you know, really with this industry, you know you'll find a lot of really passionate people, um, kind of out of the box, free thinkers. Um, you know, we, we uh, all kind of got into this industry during a gray market because, because you know, we had that firsthand experience and, and uh, knew what vaping represented to, to public health and harm reduction. Um, and, and that same kind of mentality does present some other challenges because, I mean, we all get really angry when uh, you know, this negative story comes out or, or that somebody kind of covers the other side and, you know, balance and everything is really important. Um, you know, that's the one of the problems that we're in right now is that, you know, we the public really see, hears one side of the story. Uh, and, and it's the same thing with with a lot of policymakers and, and, and that they they hear one side of the story or they only want to talk to one one side. Um, and, and that really creates a problem. Um, and it, you know, it's, it, it, it comes from, I think, a, a good place and some, you know, some of that, uh, that aggression, but, it, you know, it's not helpful uh, for the industry, really. I, I think that um, what's important right now is that we, we really work together. I mean, we are facing uh, the biggest crisis that our industry has ever faced. And, and really, I know I, I've been here since the beginning. Um, you know, really lashing out, whether it's at, you know, um, media like, like yourself uh, uh, or, or politicians 
or other vape advocates who just don't agree with you. It just, it's well, not. Let me, let me ask you that, Dan, is that is, you know, I'm mindful of the time here uh, that we have left. Um, what kind of uh, beating have you been taking? What kind of lashing has been happening at you guys? And let me preface this because you say come together, but you all, you know, the bigger side of the vaping industry has just formed a whole other national association. When of course there is the CVA out there, and you you know used to be with them, um, so why do we need two organizations? It would it seems that it, that's not logical. It seems that there's a reason why there's two, is because right. the working together wasn't happening. Well, yeah, right, and that was part of the problem, right? I, I mean, I, I don't want to uh, you know, talk badly about any other advocacy no. organization. Uh, you know, there are differences in in kind of positions. Um, you know, one of the big things for us was was that that the coverage wasn't there for all sectors of the industry, right? I mean, if you have major players that have major market share in the industry, regardless as to where the background is from, who owns them, I mean, and they have a voice. Uh, it is a harm reduction product, and at the end of the day, as a harm reduction product, we all want the same thing that smokers have access to this product, so they're not, you know, killing themselves with with tobacco. Um, and, and so when I when I say, you know, kind of come together, I really mean on, on common ground, right? So there are a lot of common ground things that we all share uh, that if you can't agree on one thing, then let's just focus on the things that we can agree on and work together on that. And that's, you know, that's our position as Vita. You know, we will really work with anybody uh, based on that common ground, um, you know, CBA, great organization, um, anybody else. Uh, and and it's 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 important to do so, uh, especially at this time. And and just that kind of infighting doesn't doesn't help. It's it's unproductive. Uh, by all means, you know, there's there's a lot of challenging questions, um, uh, and you know, we're very happy to to answer those. I mean, our organization, we, one of the big things was uh, is and is transparency. Um, you know, there's nothing to be be hidden here. Uh, we are on the same side. Ask us the questions. Give us a call. Um, write us an email, uh, and we will definitely answer. You know, I mean, it's it's it. Either way, it, it's really important at this stage for the industry to get involved. Um, we need people to, you know, for our organization. I mean, we're doing a lot of work. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, uh, and we we really need the people uh, from this industry, the the free thinkers, the out of the box thinkers, to help us with some of these solutions. Uh, we got a lot of ideas and, and a lot of you know uh, ways to, to, to implement them. Um, we need people. We need people to get involved um, and, and just get involved with something that you can support. Uh, now, and the, you just had a webinar. I want to make sure we get a discussion in there. How, how was that? Was there a good reaction? Was there a lot of a lot of industry support that came? Yeah, no, actually, it was a very good reaction. So we had a, a webinar on Tuesday. We had uh, it was in the middle of the day, but uh, we had seventy four uh, members or seventy four um, uh, attendees. Uh, it was also recorded, and it's it's uh, you can see it on our Facebook. Um, so we had a presentation, uh, went through a lot of different aspects of what Vita is, how it works, our committees. Again, very open, very transparent. Really encourage anybody to go and and uh, check that out. Um, industry response was very good. At the end of the, the uh, webinar call, we actually had about an hour long of, uh, of question and answers. So, um, I, and, and we did manage to answer every question and comment uh, that was placed to us. 
um, and we will continue to to to, to do so. So, yeah, we, it, the reaction was quite quite good. Well, that's really excellent to hear. So, um, as we're wrapping up here, you know, describe for us what Vita sees for the future of vaping in Canada, and how is it going to help get there. The future of vaping for Canada. Well, I mean, I, that's kind of a broad thing, but. Uh, Really, Some people, I mean, that just means that it's still legal and you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, that's 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 the big big thing, right? I mean, we, we need to we need to maintain um, adult access. We need to ensure that that we're not um, impacting the efficacy of the product itself. Because if we if we take measures like that, that that you know, smokers are relying on these things to say stay off of cigarettes. And if we impact that, um, I mean, we're not support the harm reduction concept so um i you know those things are very important it's it's also really important to to i think look at this as a whole right i mean there's a lot of different ways i think that we can um make an improvement for this industry and, and education um i mean certainly the, the government needs to do some better enforcement um better you know we need to do more research of course as well um but there, there are a lot of there are a lot of ways that we can uh, improve the situation that we are in right now, uh, and I think it just you know we need to to kind of come together on on what we can uh, agree on, and and really, we do really need to start talking to policymakers a lot more. Um, but education, 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 because like you know criticizing and and just throwing things out. I mean, it's it's completely unproductive. Uh, it, it's it's. You know, it, it takes us in the completely opposite direction, uh, but we actually we have the the science and truth on our side. We need to be using it, um, and, and we need to be sharing it with everybody, uh, policymakers. I, I know, unfortunately, there's there's some challenges on that uh, with federal legislation. But I mean, you know, as much as can be done, uh, sharing the information that is out there because we have it on our side. Well, that's. Uh very good, Dan. I certainly agree with you there. Well, look, thank you very much for joining us tonight on RegWatch. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. Well, that's it for this edition of RegWatch. Uh, please, before you head off, go to support.regulatorwatch.com, dig into that wallet, grab a few dollars, toss them our way. You'll be happy you did. You'll be so happy you did. And of course, we'll be happy too. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. For RegulatorWatch.com, I'm Brent Stafford.